IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. Rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects, one subscription gets you everything with IXL Learning, and all the kids in your home work off once from pre-K to 12th grade. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com IXLAV. Visit IXL.com IXLAV to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good, very early morning to you, Bucknutters. Uh, welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 22nd, 2022. Or 21st, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. This might be the earliest Bucknuts Morning 5 that we've ever done, but Bax has to get to his real job. He's an engineer. His fun job is Bucknuts. His other job is being an engineer. But uh, let's get right into it, my friend. Um, Buckeyes favored by 19 over Wisconsin. Your thoughts on this matchup? Do you expect a rock fight? Um, do you like the fact that they're wearing uh, all black uniforms and helmets? Just your thoughts on this game Saturday night. Well, Wisconsin's always a tough opponent. Like, let's, let's not forget they're a team that virtually every year they win 10 games that way. Like, in any given year, we go into the season, we go, all right, who so we think is going to win the West? And it's Wisconsin and one other team, or two other teams, right? Wisconsin- you have Minnesota this year, by the way. Yes, and I, that looks really good three weeks into the yep. season, by the way, considering how bad most of the West looks right now. With Northwestern losing to Southern Illinois and Nebraska firing their coach already. and Yeah. So, right, but who are the teams out West that people realistically think have a chance right now? Probably Minnesota and Wisconsin. I mean, that's just that's where I think everybody lands every year. It's like, I don't know who's going to win the West pick Wisconsin, right? So, I don't know. Wisconsin at this point, unfortunately, has already lost the game. They lost at home to Washington State two weeks 
you know, the thing with the Badgers is that they're usually the same template every year. They've been the same team since Barry Alvarez is there, right? They will pound the football at you. They have a bunch of gigantic offensive linemen with last names like Wozwarda Flarzevich, like a really long Polish name, right? I mean, like, they're the same guys every year. The only difference is that supposedly they're different now because they have Grant Park. He's supposed to be their best quarterback, Russell Wilson, but hasn't quite lived up to the hype yet. So this is one where it's a bit of a dangerous game for Ohio State because I think the expectation is so sky high. I mean, you're three touchdown favorite over the team, like like the one of the top teams to win the West. That's huge. But it's also the first game of the conference season. The Buckeyes are coming off the 77-point outing. They're healthy on offense. They've had three straight weeks of a defense that looks like it knows what it's doing. So, you know, that number is a, that number is a pretty good number because I'm sitting here thinking, man, are they going to win by three touchdowns? So they'll definitely win by two, but three? Uh, I don't know. So this, this is an interesting game, though, in many levels. And it's one that if Ohio State is good as they think they are, they should run away with. There's very few teams in the Big Ten that can hang with the talent this year, even though the Big Ten is the league. So – this is this is going to be a tone setter game for the rest of the season. Plain and simple. With Graham Mertz, and you know maybe he'll have the game of his life. I just feel like you better have a dynamic quarterback to step with this Ohio State team. Um, the may, the amount of points Ohio State can put up on offense, and now with this attacking defense, um, this is not obviously the same Ohio State defense that people saw the last two years. So you better have a dynamic quarterback to, to hang with Ohio State. Wisconsin does not have a dynamic quarterback. We'll see. As you mentioned, Graham Mertz, the highest rated quarterback they've ever recruited. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson was a transfer, as you mentioned. Um, has not lived up to the hype. He hasn't been terrible. Has not lived up to the hype at all. So I think the Buckeyes are going to take care of business. I don't know if they're going to cover or not, but I, I, I think they will win comfortably. All right, let's get into this. So talked to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles yesterday and C.J. Stroud and Julian Fleming. Um, mostly good news on the injury front. Now, Ryan does not like getting in too much about injuries, but he's he's relaxed out a little bit. He's, he kind of gives us nuggets here and there. Um, sounds like he reiterated it, it was just uh, precautionary with Travion Henderson. Yeah, he wasn't a walking boot after the game, but and yeah, he didn't return after those four carries. But um, it sounds like he could have if it was a big game. If that was the Michigan game or something, he would have been back in there. Yeah. I think he's going to play this week, so that's good. Now, the bad thing, if it's a – sprained ankle or foot, whatever it is, um, it's one of the two. I mean, those are easily re-injured for a running back. So let's hope he doesn't re-injure it. But um, good news there, sounds like Travion's going to play. Sounds like Michael Hall Jr. is going to play. So that's good. He suited up last week, but they held him out. Um, so mostly good news. You know, some of those guys, like I think Tanner McAllister is going to come back this week. Um, Josh Proctor. Now, the one piece that's not good news is Jordan Hancock. And they they need corners Right now, their corners are struggling. They don't have much depth there. And Jordan Hancock was going to be the top backup corner. And you have to wonder, backs, the way the corners are struggling, if Hancock was healthy, if he might be in there as a starter right now. Um, Day referred to it, Ryan Day referred to it as a relatively serious injury that he suffered during camp, still is not practicing. So that tells me, I mean, he's probably not going to be back for like another month, probably. That's just me saying that. So overall, good news on the injury front. But man, I'd love to get Jordan Hancock back. Yeah, the corner situation actually is becoming a really big concern. Uh, right now, Cam Brown's been okay, but, but like Denzel Burke has not had a great start to the year. Like, let's call it spade a spade. He's not had a great start to the year. And if Jordan Hancock was able to be here and healthy right now, based on everything we saw, he might well have usurped that position right now. from Burke. And Burke was supposed to be our, our, our big guy this year. So, 
you know, we're seeing a bit of a sophomore slump from him to start the year, and hopefully he can pull himself out of it. But, yeah, I mean, we, we only have six scholarship corners on the whole roster. So when you're down one of the top three in your mind, that's a big issue. So, you know, that, that, that's a position where we don't have a ton of depth. So I, I'm excited about all the other injury news that we received. But right now, corners are concerned. I mean, that, that, that may be the biggest concern on the team right now is the cornerback, right? I mean, is there another position group that we're more worried about than corner? I don't see one. I don't either. It was supposed to be depth on the offensive line. I've seen a lot worse second-team offensive lines than Zen Mahalski, Enoch Vamahi, Jacob James, Tegra Shabola, and Josh Fryer. And Josh Fryer's out there playing like that Donovan Jackson role of last year. Boom. I mean, I, I mean, that's your that's the biggest that was Ryan Day's biggest concern coming out of spring. I don't think that's his biggest concern any longer. Um, I'm sure it's depth at corner. It's um, gotta be. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. All right. Um asked Jim Knowles about this yesterday. I, you know, there was talk during the offseason. He even mentioned, you know, I, I'll mix things up. I've I've played three linebackers at times. So, you know, the the you know. The assumption was, okay, Knowles mixes things up. He's not married to one thing. You know, when they play a running team like Wisconsin, he probably will have three linebackers out there. That's not the the sense that I got yesterday. Now, he's not going to tip his hand and tell you exactly what he's going to do. So maybe we will see him mix in three linebacker looks occasionally. I don't think so. I got the impression that he's very confident that, first of all, his safeties can bring the wood. Guys like Lathan Ransom and Ronnie Hickman. And he's confident that his scheme, the way he mixes things up, the way he attacks, the way he makes – you know, the quarterback have indecision and the offensive line have indecision. He's confident that they can e- even a run oriented team like Wisconsin in a rock fight that they can contain them in a four, two, five, your thoughts. I think this is going to be a very telling week on that regard. As, as we saw last year and granted the defense is nothing like it was last year, but they sat in a four, two, five against the running team in Ann Arbor and it didn't go well. For so uh, at the end of the day here for the Buckeyes, let's see. Like, if the D-line is dominant like we think they are, then they're going to be able to get the job done and be able to get penetration. But the, the truth of the matter is, I don't know many people who have ever lined up against the Wisconsin team that wants to slam the ball down your throat with five linemen, two tight ends, a fullback, all that. I don't know how many teams can line up and do that and not defend it with three linebackers on the field. So, you know, I, I like you said, I know we got some safety to step up against the run. You know, Josh Proctor's another one if he's back healthy. He's a big safety. But this is going to be a bit of an interesting thing to see, and I think that's going to be a little bit of the big question. That's the biggest question of the first half of the game to be, is whether Ohio State can stop that Wisconsin run game while staying inside of what they consider to be their base. Because if you start seeing the, the Sam on the field, you start seeing the likes of Reed Carrico out there a lot more, you're going to be you're going to be very interested to uh, to see how our defense is going to apply as the Big Ten season goes on because people are watching and waiting and trying to find a way to solve this defense that – you know, was pretty decent last year in the Big 12 under Knowles, and now that Ohio State's taken some very big strides. And, you know, I got the, the counter-argument to everything I'm saying is, well, look what Notre Dame did, right? They pretty much weren't a passing team. They tried running the ball the whole time, and Ohio State did great against them. But this is Wisconsin. It's a little bit of a different mindset when it comes to running the football than it is a lot of other teams. This is literally what their program does. They crank out running backs, and they crank out offensive linemen, and that's what they do. That is what they do. Every year they have a, a great running back. It's crazy. Pretty much every year they have a great running back. There's been seasons here and there where they didn't, but it's like one after another from Jonathan Taylor. Um, and now the young man they have now, um, 
fantastic. They it's just one after another. Basically started with Ron Dane, and since then, basically every year they've had a guy that it's fantastic running back goes on to the NFL. Unbelievable. Um every year they had the Brooks Bollinger type quarterback. They have all the German and Polish dudes on the O line. They got the they got the running back whether it's Corey Clement is another one, right? You've got all these guys, and occasionally they'll pop out a wide receiver, but they always have a good tight end. They are the template is very clear for what Wisconsin football looks like for three straight coaches. It goes from Alvarez to Bielema to Chris. The same thing. They're consistently always the same program, except for the Russell Wilson year. That was the one year that it looked like they they, they could have broken their glass ceiling. So, yeah, I mean, Ohio State stops the run game against Wisconsin with this defense. I don't know what other questions it needs to answer. I'm not that impressed with Paul Christ at all. He just seems like he's, like, average at best. If he wasn't the head coach of my team, I'd be like, eh, can't we do better than this? I know it's Wisconsin. He's Barry Alvarez's guy. That's why he's there. Whatever. Um, I want to get into this. How about true freshman running backs Dallin Hayden and T.C. Caffey? I, I mean, I'm just – I'm happy for both those guys. Dallin Hayden coming in thinking he's going to be the fourth-string running back this year. Might might redshirt. Might play in four games, but, you know, probably was going to redshirt as the fourth-string tailback. Uh-uh. Not after the Evan Pryor injury. And then Trey gets hurt, uh, and Dallin Hayden gets in there, rushes 17 times for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Love that, and he looked good doing it. And T.C. Caffey – my God, this guy might have the best accolades for a preferred walk-on in the history of football. Um, yeah. Turned down an offer from Army. That was his only D1 offer, but he had um, some FCS offers that he turned down, like Youngstown State and, and others, to walk on at Ohio State. I mean, this kid put up one of the best rushing seasons in Ohio high school football history last yeah. year at Hubbard, and he looks the part. Um, love it. I love this. Dallin Hayden and T.C. Caffey, your thoughts, Mr. Baxendale? Well, T.C. Caffey, I think he had one of, like, the 30 greatest seasons by a running back in Ohio high school history or something crazy like that. I mean, you think about how long Ohio high school football has been going on. So this is a kid where – actually, somebody uh, brought the thread out of the graveyard about T.C. Caffey committing to Ohio State last de- December. Yes. And it's funny. Everybody's like, well, what is this preferred walk-on? And some, a couple of people are like, you don't realize what we're getting here. And then all those people are back, and they're like, I told you. <laughs> But the reality is, like, we were just talking about how corner depth was a giant concern. Well, I think we would have been talking about running backs not too long ago, right? It was it was Mayan and Trey, and then it was, oh, boy, after Evan Pryor got hurt. Now we're like, well, Dallin Hayden looks really good. Like, and, and you and I had talked about this when they were recruiting, and we both thought he was underrated. And not because he was going to Ohio State. We just looked at the player, and we thought this kid would be higher rated than he is. I think he was in the 150s or something like that. And I thought he was a clear top 100, top 75 kind of player. And he, he might have been in the 200s. He was, he a, top, been, he was, he was yeah. a top 25 running back, but he was a four star, but I think he was in the 200s overall. I mean, he may have maybe, maybe he was even tipping that. But I remember the vividly having one of these podcast conversations where we were like, this kid's a steal, right? Like, he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Backs, I'm looking at it right now. The 24 7 sports composite, the number 19 running back in the country. Number 226 overall player in the country. Had a rating yeah. of 92, so solid four-star kid. But, yeah, we both thought he was a little bit uh, underrated for sure. Yeah, and I think the early returns on that are, okay, yeah, we were right. You know, there's a, Ohio State goes out, and yet again, uh, I remember we this was a running joke for a while during the Meyer era. It's like, who's our lowest-rated recruit? They're going to be a first-rounder. Like, it was Darren Lee one year, you know, like that sort of thing. And – I, I think that, 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 that that's an example of what we have with Hayden here. Obviously, he came out of the gate. 
a very good player and showed it right away. And we're going to really need, need to rely on him this year. And it's a situation, too, where if you're not comfortable with Trevion Henderson's ankle this week, you let Mayan Williams maybe take the, sort of a larger share of the – you can get the Mayan's share of carries. Ah, but, like, you can give uh, Dallin Hayden some carries in actual action here. I think he's earned a little bit of confidence there. And then Caffey's another guy that looked really good. I mean, they were they were only sort of joking when they when they said it was a sports center top ten kind of run when that, that big touchdown he had. I mean, the kid looks like he can play football. It's that plain and simple. He might not be the explosive uh, measurement freak that like a Henderson is, but the kid can play. There's a role for T.C. Caffey at Ohio State. It's very obvious that they can feel good about their depth there. So, yeah, I have to say that that was maybe the most pleasant surprise of the fall coming out of the Toledo game. But also, if we couch it, say it's Toledo, Wisconsin is a different animal. Comment from Shane. I couldn't agree with this more. Shane from YouTube saying Tony Alford is great uh, at spotting talent. Uh, you know, great back. Lucky to have him. Probably talking about TC Caffey. Maybe talking about Dallin Hayden as well. I give him a tons of credit. Here's why. So Tony Alford basically landed Bijan Robinson, and then his family talked. I mean, Bijan Robinson committed to Ohio State. It was a silent verbal, and then had to didn't have to, but his family kind of talked him out of it. He went to Texas. What does Tony Alford do? He rebounds. By the way, that same year, what does he do? He, he gets a running back that was committed to Iowa State named Mayan Williams and flips him to Ohio State. Pretty good plan B there, right? Mayan Williams looks great. Then what does Tony Alford do the very next year? He goes out and he gets the number one running back in the country in Travion Henderson and then another top running back in Evan Pryor. And then that makes it really, really hard then in the 2022 class to get a running back because that running back knows, okay, you just landed two great running backs. Why am I going to go to Ohio State? He still gets Dallin Hayden. Who again wasn't a five star, but was a you know a solid four star, and then finds TC Caffey as well. Tip of the cap to Tony Alford, doing great work out there. I'm glad that uh, Shane mentioned that, and Shane's yeah talking about both. Yeah, absolutely oh. talking about both those guys, both of those true freshman running backs. Yes, I agree with you, Shane. Good point. Um, in fact, that was on my list of asking uh, Ryan Day questions yesterday, um, but I didn't make the text. I had other things I wanted to ask, but. Tony Alford is um, – my sister's calling me right now. I'm going to call her back. Um, <laughs> um, but um, – As the bit of Yeah, I might, I'll, I'll call my sister back a little bit. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Um, doing a live podcast, sis. All right. The gold, baby. The podcast gold. Dave Biddle answers a phone call from his sister at 740 in the morning. Now you're right. Be great. Everybody would just be turning off their, their, their devices. Um, so unless it was a funny call or something. Um all right, so Michigan's had the easiest um, – this is not hyperbole. There's 131 teams in FBS. Michigan's strength of schedule is 131st. They have the worst non-conference schedule in all of football. Good job, Michigan. Good job. What Everybody's touting them. Okay, we'll see. Now that, now that you actually have to play a team that has a pulse, we'll see what happens. Now, Maryland is coached by Mike Loxley. So, I don't Mike need to Lock- more there. Mike Loxley, terrible coach. But like – They've got a lot of talent. I'm I'm very curious to see this game. Buckeyes have a night game. Michigan's playing. I believe it's a noon game. It's it's in Ann Arbor. I was a little surprised to see Michigan's favored by 17 over Maryland. Do you think Maryland can give them a good game? So in our bold prediction at the start of the year in the Bucknuts roundtable, Bucknuts publisher Dan Rubin said that Maryland would beat Michigan as his bold prediction. And I – I know he's got that love for the DMV, but it's not a, a ridiculous notion considering that Maryland has played reasonably well to start the season. Um, they're not a bad football team. Uh, in, ter- 
Because the other side of that Loxley card, they might say Mike Loxley, terrible coach. The flip side says Mike Loxley, good recruiter. That's why he's gotten every job he's ever had, is that he's a good recruiter. And he he's is. sitting in an area where he's keeping a lot of local talent at home in, in that D.C. and Baltimore metro area. So I don't know if I necessarily believe that Maryland is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be one where I could, I wouldn't be shocked one bit if we're sitting here giggling at 3 o'clock because it's 24-24. And, you know, Maryland's sitting there giving Michigan a scare. That's for sure. So, you know, this is the problem, too, with the Big Ten East, is that you can make an easy argument that the Big Ten East, Maryland's the fifth-best team, sixth-best team maybe. And they'd be one of the top two or three in the West. So it's, this is not an easy cakewalk football game for the Michigan Wolverines. And in fact, they may look like they're world beaters, but they have played, like you said, literally the weakest non-conference schedule in the country. And they're doing it again next year. I mean, they're scheduling like they're an SEC where they just want to play a bunch of donkey games early on that they can always say that they win 10 games because that's the classic Harbaugh move. So, yeah, wimpy program, go out, play wimpy games. Big-time program like Ohio State, yeah, we're going to play Notre Dame and Texas and all these other non-conference. Let's be serious about it. So, I'm interested to see that game. It's going to tell us a lot about the Wolverines. If they win 56-10, to 10, then we're going to go, okay, well, crap, they're probably pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Um, I want to see Maryland give them a good game. All right, last thing. We'll get you out of here on this. Question from Jesse on... YouTube, Jesse asked, do you guys think we should look in the portal next year for a corner? What do you think, Bax? I think the bigger question is, did we make a mistake not going after Elias Rick in the portal and telling all the younger guys, you're going to have to play, but we need depth? I mean, that, that's where my head's at on this one. We have depth coming in at corner. These younger guys are all going to be back. I think Cam Brown's the only one that's moving on, if, if memory serves. So... You're going to have more scholarship corners next year that are all a year further into experience. This was the year with the portal that you needed to really take a hard look at it, in my opinion. And when they decided not to, that was them trying to show face their young guys. But I think their big fear was that some of these young guys that transfer, uh, you know, Jalen, you know, Jordan, those guys would be the ones that they were worried about going somewhere. But the reality is, this is the year you needed that bridge corner. Next year and beyond, your numbers will be seven, eight, nine corners as it goes back on to where you should be so you know if we have injuries or Burt continues to struggle and Hancock doesn't get out there for another month the the conversation piece may well be that we make a mistake not going hard after Elias Rick in the transfer portal that's just the reality right now as Keith is saying on Facebook I don't think Elias Ricks has cracked the uh lineup for Alabama I don't know if he's banged up but he's he's not playing very much though no he's, he's not Bama also has 12 scholarship cornerbacks or something crazy like that Whereas the Buckeyes have six. I'm not joking. The Buckeyes have six scholarship corners. That's the reality here. That's the thing. It's a numbers game. If Ricks was here, you think Ricks wouldn't be on the field? We need bodies that are experienced. We have two two true freshman corners, or is it three? I think it's two true freshmen and two redshirt freshmen, and then Cam Brown. And who am I missing here? Oh, no, we have three freshman corners, two redshirt freshman corners, and Cam Brown. Isn't that right? Yeah, because Jair Brown and Ryan Turner are the true freshmen, and then J.K. Johnson's the redshirt freshman. Then you got Jordan Hancock, Denzel Burke. They're uh, soft. And then Cam Brown's a senior. Cam Brown's a fifth-year senior, yep. Yeah, and so that's my point. Yeah. There's no, there's no older player experience. We're relying on very young and talented people. And, you know, the, the problem is, is that, you know, I don't care how talented you are. If you're hurt, you can't play, right? 
that's the thing. And and, and you can say about Aaron's commenting about Rick's would be a headache in the locker room. Well, guess what? You know what's a real headache is when you have to start moving safety to corner. If Cam Martinez start playing corner against a team that can throw the football, that's a concern. So, you know, that's the thing. And if it wasn't Rick, there were other corners you could have brought in too, right? And I don't care if you thought they would or wouldn't have played. There's a certain point where the numbers game has to matter. And that's where we're at right now with OSU. Is we're holding our breath going, so I don't roll an ankle, so and so. I don't roll an ankle, so and so. I mean, that's where we're at. Burke's playing terrible, and he has no like uh, chance of even losing his starting job because they don't have any. I mean, J.K. Johnson's the best backup right now, and he's playing okay. Um, but he's not doing anything to make you think, oh, Burke needs to be benched. Burke had by far the most snaps of any corner. I mean, they benched Cam Brown this last game. Cam Brown was looking like the best corner to me, and he had a bad game this last game. So um, well, I'm with you. Should have brought, having six scholarship corners on the entire roster, that's that's not enough. I don't think I've ever seen that at Ohio State. Think about it, too. Whatever, when there's no depth, right, it's, it's like this in any sport, right? You have to play like you practice. So when you don't have depth, maybe you're not going to be as intense with the fear of a practice injury. And then you have to hold people accountable, right? It's like we talked last year of football with the Buckeyes on D, right? We were like, you know, tackling is a mindset. You have to want to get the guy to the ground. You don't have to just line up and think about it, figure out what you're doing, play like bloodless, right? Like you have to want it. You have to have passion, right? Well, with these corners, you have to also be held accountable for your performance and your preparation. But when you don't have any depth, it takes away your ability to hold people accountable, right? It takes away your ability to essentially dangle that carrot to say, hey, you got a guy behind you who's battling that tough to get on the field, right? But when there's nobody who's ready, then there's a little bit of complacency that comes along with it. Maybe you don't play with the same. Maybe if there was somebody pushing Burke, Burke would be mentally focusing more. Or maybe Burke focused over the offseason might not have waned, and you might have read some of his less of his articles. You have to hold players accountable, and you have to have the depth to do so. And you have to practice at a high level of intensity, carry that onto the field on the weekend. When you don't have depth, that's a problem. Plain and simple. They've got the depth at safety. Josh Proctor whiffs on on tackle against Notre Dame, then lines up in the wrong spot, and he's like, uh, "You go to the bench the rest of the game. We're gonna put Lathan Ransom in." And then well, we they, might have more scholarship they, safeties than we do scholarship corners, Dave. Like, we have a lot more, a, a lot more, and we have, have nine scholarship and nine scholarship linebackers, and they play two. Nine yeah. scholarship linebackers, and they play two. They brought in a transfer linebacker, and I'm glad. I like I like the chips on the team, and he's versatile enough. He can return kicks. He can. Can he play corner? Running back if need back. Can he play corner? Yeah, but I would have liked to see them bring in a corner. I, I just I don't get why they thought having six scholarship corners on the roster was tenable. I think it was part of the re-recruiting your own roster that you have to do in this modern era. Is that I think they were afraid if we brought in another corner, some of these young guys that they thought were ready to go that maybe weren't as ready as we've wanted to believe up to this point would decide to go find greener pastures elsewhere and start at a lesser school this season. I think that was their thought process. For, for good or worse, but it's not one that I agreed with at the time. And, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, they the coaches may not like it when you say something like that, but the reality is it's like when you're pointing out that if something can be done better, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when, you know, the way that other places are doing it makes sense, right? Nobody else in the country has six scholarship cornerbacks on their roster. It's a problem. Right. And I love, I love Ryan Day. I love him. That doesn't mean that, like, like, yeah, we're not saying fire Ryan Day. You know what I mean? I love Ryan Day. That doesn't mean he's perfect. Like that was a little bit of roster mismanagement, in my opinion. Only having six Scott. And then 
if Parker Lewis was on the team right now, they'd have three scholarship kickers because yeah. they were bringing him on scholarship. You know, yeah. I mean, he had, he had speaking of scholarship kickers, they had to move one of the scholarship kickers. Uh, he's repping at corner some now, Cybert, because they needed another corner. Unbelievable. You have a kicker repping at corner. Anyway, um, overall, I love where Ohio State's at. We, we, uh, we have to find something to complain about sometimes with this team, but um, uh, but yeah, this is, this I don't, is a really I, legit concern, Dave. Like, like you is. know, we're not going to be here to be Debbie Downer about the right. Buckeyes, who the defense has looked largely fantastic to start the year. You can tell the attitude and the mindset are correct, right? You can tell that the fundamentals are there, right? Like, what are we going to sit here and complain about? Nothing, like you know. But the the reality is, when you're looking at it from a, are we the elite of the elite? Because at Ohio State, like. The, there's very few years where you're not in the top 10 in the country, right? That's the reality. So we're at the point now where we're parsing hairs about this program state saying, can we beat Bama and Georgia? Can we beat Michigan? Can we beat the schools that are competing to win the national championship? And when you're talking about elite levels like this, elite levels like this, then the, you always have to say, where are we weakest? Because when you get to the best of the best, they always look for where you're weakest, right? What did Urban say? Where, where, who's the fish? Remember that line 10 years ago? Find your fish, right? Well, right now our fish is at corner. And it's not necessarily even that those guys aren't going to get better, but that's our that's our spot right now where if, we, if Ohio State loses a game at some point this season, we're going to look back at it and odds are going to be, hey, we had some injury issues at corner and the guys didn't play great in front of them. That's, that's, right now that's our biggest, most likely vector of defeat because otherwise this thing's a juggernaut. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch us call him every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax. Thank you to all of the listeners and viewers out there. We appreciate that very much. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks so much to all of you. We know you have a lot of choices. Appreciate you guys making the Bucknuts Morning 5 a part of your morning, Monday through Fridays. Again, thanks to all of you. Thanks to Bax. Hope everyone has a great day. Go Bucks. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man. Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the space. Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.